This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello. Your, your smile today, <laughs> looking so happy. Hi, Mary Goulet. Hello. Richie Ote, what's up, my brother? What's happening? How's everybody doing? All good, all good. Why wait, holding it down in the studio. Kelly's got it under control back at headquarters, and we are hanging out here on a Thursday. When's the last time you listened to Reinvention Radio live? Seriously, like, join us. I don't know if you know I this I do it not. every Thursday. You do every Thursday. <laughs> Mary, you do almost every Thursday, except when you're doing your volunteer work in the world. Yes. You listen to us live every Thursday. Wade listens to us live every Thursday. Kelly listens to... Why are, are you guys listening to us live? You I should. have friends that listen live to us. You do? Mm-hmm. Sweet, because we want more of you guys to listen to us live every Thursday, because if you didn't know, we do broadcast live every Thursday from 12 until 2 Pacific. The first hour, we do our show that you're listening to right now, Reinvention Radio. And in our second hour, we do our new show. Have you tuned in? Have you tuned into our new show? That would be the question. I'm curious. We'd love to know what you guys think of the new show. That show is so good, and right? it always makes me feel <laughs> what have I done lately? Yes, <laughs> every, after every show, like, you're what always you like, lately? "Yeah, I know what's wrong with you, man. You haven't done anything." <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really interesting show. So you haven't checked that one out? Tune in. That's beyond. Eight figures. And every week we sit down with entrepreneurs who have either exited for more than $10 million or currently run businesses that gross more than $10 million. And we get to the bottom of how they started and scaled and in some cases exited their business. Well, yes, this ma'am. gal would not fit with it, but a fr- my friend Heather told me she saw this the most successful person on Etsy makes 70 grand a month. 70 grand a month. That's making it? Clothes and bandanas. $70,000 a month on Etsy? Is that good? Now she has her own line, online shop. That seems light. I mean, that's less than a million bucks a year. The best, the highest. In, uh, oh, well, I don't know. Well, Maybe. Wait, what have you done lately? <laughs> I know, right? That's true. I know I'm not making 70 grand a month on Etsy, but then again, nobody wants to buy the stick figure drawings that I do. I've got like no artistic talent at all. But fortunately, that was we're. Pretty impressive. Myself. Yeah, well. Well, there you go. I mean, I guess if the and, and but how much does it cost her in to make, yeah, right? Exactly. I, mean, I guess that would be so we should have that discussion and maybe we'll yeah. reinvent her and her artistry and uh, what will we call? We'll call it reinventing the profitable creative. How about that? Like that would be awesome, right? Because you know, starving artists, right? They don't make yeah. any money. This, yeah. this, this, this gal's making money. Maybe we'll do that. We'll have yes. to track her down. Well, she was on the Steve Harvey show. She oh. was on Good Morning America. Oh, what I have mean, you done lately, right? Yeah, right? <laughs> it goes what back have, to that. Yes. What have you guys done lately? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Yeah, no, we definitely should have her on. We'd love to have her on Reinvention Radio. And if you know of somebody that would be a great guest for us to be on Reinvention Radio or on our other show, Beyond Eight Figures, uh, of course, you can visit reinventionradio.com and submit there or beyond8figures.com. That's with the number eight figures.com and submit there and we're always looking for great guests to feature speaking of uh, great guests well no i was going to say unfortunately today's show is not going (laughs) to you know no i'm playing of course today's show is going to follow that uh, exactly what we've been doing week in and week out here in terms of bringing you amazing guests from all around the world who have reinvented their lives and all sorts of interesting ways and uh today's guest i'm I'm really thrilled to have on um, because i've known sean now for it seems it's interesting. It actually seems like I've known Sean. And actually, I think we met Sean all around the same time. Yeah. So it seems like we've known Sean forever. 
But reality is, I, I think I've only, you know, how long has it been now? Like 18 months yeah. or the most since we met Sean Douglas. Well, so he made an impact on all of us. Made a huge impact on all of us. And uh, so super excited to have Sean on here. So wait, actually, let's just, uh, let's just bring the man himself on with us here on Reinvention Radio. Sean Douglas, what's up, my brother? What's up, everybody? Hey, hey Sean. How's it going, Sean? How you doing? I'm doing amazing. Yeah, of course you well, are. Of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> right. What, what else would you be doing, man? So really, really cool to have. So I, I was trying to figure this out before the show. How, how long have we actually known each other? Uh, we first met in August, or or actually July of 2017. Of 2017. When yep. We got connected through a mutual friend who said that you need to meet the amazing Steve Olsher. And be a part of the Who upcoming new that? I know, right? Nobody ever says that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was like end of end of July, beginning of August. And then uh, we did those trainings and the, hey, let's meet all the podcasters. And, yeah. you know, the rest is history, as they say. The rest is history. So just like I said, man, it just seems like we go way, way back. I mean, obviously, kindred spirits and, and you've mm-hmm. got such a, an unbelievable story to share. And what I want to, you know, make everyone really, really clear on out of the gate here. Uh, is that we need to stand up and salute Sean. I mean, he'll share a lot of that uh, with us here on the program. But just know that Sean uh, is an active. You're still active, right? So you're still yes. actively. Yeah, right. So Two more years. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you. So um, actively serving our country. And uh, hopefully you got paid during the shutdown. By the way, did you get paid during the shutdown? How does that work for active uh, military? Um. During government shutdowns, military is not paid. Are you kidding? However, really? However, however, comma. Trump wrote a bill prior to the shutdown specifically stating that during this particular shutdown, the Border Patrol, ICE, and the military will be paid. Those three entities will be paid. Awesome. So the military, Border Patrol, and ICE will get paid. Will get paid. Interesting. That's what the bill entailed. Just not um, the but Coast every Guard other... where the drugs really come Right, through. the Coast Guard. Well, the, yeah. yeah, the Coast Guard didn't get paid. Air Force. So, oh, I guess the military, though, was part of that, right? But not the well, so, Coast Guard. Were yeah, because was Coast Guard's not part of the military. They're not? How did I miss that? Yeah, they're not part of the military. Coast Guard is they're actually kind of run by Irish. run by the state, but it's more of like a state government agency. Like it's more it's I don't know. It's how it's written up. Well, if I can like, Yes, Wade, please. Uh, being we had um the head of the San Diego Coast Guard in here on Tuesday mm-hmm. on our military show. Um Coast Guard is joint is unique in their joint military and yes. law enforcement. And they're funded through the Department of Homeland Security ah, because yes. of the enforcement thing. Coast Guard yes. uniquely can board military vehicles and take command yes. because they are the you know the law enforcement aspect. So they're just kind of a unique entity, but they are under Department of Homeland Security, and so that's why their funding got cut. There you go. Learn something new every day here on Reinvention up with stuff like that, right? Yes, Sean. And the. Coast Guard, believe it or not, the Coast Guard has one of the lowest profiles. You'll never hear about it. They have the lowest profile special forces group out of any military branch. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. You don't you don't hmm. hear a lot about what is going on on the uh, on the seven Caesar that obviously those guys are are patrolling, including of course our own. So let's yeah. let's jump into. Uh, I just want to make sure that we leave ample time for this because your story is. Is pretty amazing, and today's episode is well. We're, we're calling this reinventing resilience, man. Right. So, if anybody is uh-huh. the is the poster child for resilience, I'd certainly say 
that would be you, my friend. Let's um let, let's let's go way way back just so we can kind of set the stage here. Uh, but you, you you didn't come from let's just say uh, you weren't born with a silver spoon in your mouth. How about that? No, no, yeah, not at all. Born. Is there something below the poverty line? Is there? Yeah, I'm yeah. so homeless. Yeah, which you know, as a matter of fact, when I was in first grade, we actually slept in a hotel for about four days because we had no place to go. Mm. And um, I remember sleeping on a, on the hotel floor because the guy that my mom remarried, um, you know, him and my mom took the bed, and us kids slept on the floor. So yeah. Yeah, man. So you, I mean, you didn't have it easy as a kid. I know there was a lot of um, abuse growing mm-hmm. up, and yep. you know, it's just, it's interesting, right? I mean, when you, when, when you, if you guys have an opportunity to meet Sean, I mean, you, you never have. Um, it's just there's always different directions that people can go when they're faced with mm, just different. Uh, Trials and tribulations, you know, and you, and you meet someone like Sean and you just never would have any idea about how tough the the childhood was. But, I, I mean, there was physical abuse, emotional abuse, of course, verbal abuse, et cetera. How, how bad was it when you were growing up? So, so bad, so bad that, that you I was... threw your drink on the ground. It was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. This place Mic is drop. awful. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, um, how bad? Yeah, so from the time that I was in second grade, really a little bit of first grade, but – you know, time that I was in second grade to the time that I was in seventh grade, um, the abu- the escalation of abuse started from uh, you know maybe once or twice a once or twice a week to in seventh grade it was on a daily basis. Cops were called, um, hospital visits. Um, my mom was was pretty beat up a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he was done with her, he'd go to my older sister. When he went done with my older sister and whatever men abuse women, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in that particular way, uh, he would then come to me and um, and he would do whatever he was going to do, physically abuse me. And I, particularly one day, you know, I took a uh, – I was in Little League my whole life. And I took my wooden uh, Louisville slugger bat and I hit him in the gut with it. Mm. And he was so, so high on cocaine that he barely even felt it. And he he took my bat and he swung it against the wall and put a hole in the wall, broke the bat and said that I was next. Damn. And um, and that's what we dealt with. Yeah. So that was so, so that was your stepfather. That was yeah. That was my stepfather. My mom and dad divorced when I was in uh, kindergarten, going into first grade. He wanted to join the military. My mom said, "No, you've got three kids." He said, "All the reason more to do it because at some point I won't be able to, and this is a dream." So, so he did. My mom divorced him, remarried, and from the time that I was in first grade to the time that I was I was eighteen and out of the house, I lived in eleven different houses and attended eight different schools. Wow. Yeah. Too much turmoil. Way too much turmoil. How how do you think some of that impacts you today? I mean, I, obviously, there's a lot of talk of you know, PTSD, and I mean, you've served in the military, so you're probably familiar with it on, on that level. But from the standpoint of just growing up with that sort of abuse, do you, do you think you have... 
PTSD related issues from those formative years of really just kind of being put through the ringer there? I used to. You used before to. I got, before I got help and therapy and, and everything else. Uh, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. When my wife and I got married in 2007, I was like, I was the guy that, that would be like, reinvention radio, what a loser. <laughs> Even though it's like the top rated show, right? You're still, like, pretty mu- you're still pretty much like that, Sean. That's from our, from oh, our conversations, oh, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I would be the guy who's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a radio show called Reinventing Radio 2. Like, mm-hmm. like, part two. Like, I would be the guy that tried to top everybody because I literally had zero self-respect for myself, mm-hmm. zero value, and I was just wanting to make everybody else's life miserable because my life sucked. Like, everything I touched just withered and died. That's what I felt like. Mm-hmm. So, And you were, drinking, wife, you were drinking pretty heavily, right? Heavily, yes. Very heavily. From what, how, for how, what was that period of time that you were drinking? Uh, to the time that I joined the military, which was in 2001, until 2008, 2009. So the first seven years you were in the military, you were still drinking heavily? I was, I was drinking. I, I got to Lake and Heath in RF Lake and Heath in England in 2002. By the time that I left 2004, my pregame was a half a bottle of Jack Daniels and six bowling pins. Bowling pins are Bud Light or Budweiser. Sometimes they're formed into a bowling pin and they're like 22 ounce. Oh, okay. 20, something like that. So my pregame before we went, actually went out to the bar was like a half a bottle of Jack Daniels because I, I drank Double Jack and Dr. Pepper. Mm. And then I drink like, you know, six pins. Jesus. I come back, you know, 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I come back and I'd finish the bottle by like 6 in the morning, 7, 7 o'clock in the morning, and then go to sleep, wake up, and just do it all again. Mm. So I live my life. Yeah, and this is on this is on active duty. So at any point active there, duty. so at any point you could have got the call to to go out or do whatever you needed to do. And so you you were a functioning alcoholic Function at that. Alcoholic. Did anybody else know? Oh yeah. Oh, they did. Oh, well, that's that's the yeah. culture in the military. That's a, when you believe it or not. In certain Middle Eastern bases, you know, like if you go to like. Um, there used to be a place called PSAB, but it's closed now. But there were certain places, you know, that we would go to, and it was surrounded by friendlies and everybody. Your drinking limit, if you were allowed to drink, because like a general Article One would be like no drinking or you know whatever. But the stopovers, like Kuwait City and some others, there were like three beers a day. That's all you're allowed. It is strictly prohibited. You have you know ways to make sure whatever. Well, I would actually buy people's beer from them so that I could have more than three. Wow! And I was like breaking all kinds of laws, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's and that's what I did. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, whatever. I need to. I need to drink. So yeah, yeah. I um, you know, you're, you're just you're getting a little spotty, cutting in a little bit, a little bit out. But hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be able to get that, that cleaner here in a second. But fact of the matter is that, you know, so it's interesting, I man. it's a lot of inside information that we don't normally get access to. And I know we're going to be talking about a number of things here on the show, but it is, you know, it's interesting because we talk about, you know, obviously the, the military representing the best of the best. And these are the guys on the, on the front lines who are, who are protecting us, right. And trying to mm-hmm. take care of us. And, you know, when push comes to shove, they're the ones hopefully doing most of the pushing. Is that, is that pretty rampant in the military based on your experience? I mean, are a lot of these guys just coping on a consistent basis and we'd be scared to know the truth? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. 
I would say 50% of the military is the best of the best. They are, you know, kicking butt, doing what they're supposed to. Then you have like a quarter of the people that are non-deployable because they're in therapy or they're going through an alcohol detox or they've had, you know, ARIs, which are alcohol-related incidences. Mm. Um, they're just not deployable. But, you know, and then some of them have even, like I know some of them that are that are out the door. Mm-hmm. They've got their security clearances revoked. They are not performing the duties that they're supposed to and literally just waiting to exit. Mm-hmm. Then there's a quarter of the people that are deployable to certain locations. They're going through therapy. They're, they're, they're getting reinstated. They are, um, you know, they've gone through their turmoil already. And that was me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had gone through mine and I could have been kicked out. I could have been that 25% that were like, get out by, you know, um, you know, the guys who have DUIs, you're out the door. You're in the 25%. Bye. See ya. Um, you know, the, the, the ARIs, the alcohol related incidences, multiple, mm-hmm. you're gone. See ya. Mm-hmm. So the military really does take good care of people who are, are suffering. But at the same time, there are those who, who are coming out of that, that moment of turmoil who need to get their life together. Military is what's holding them together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like a double-edged sword there. I mean, right. without it, how far down could they go? But then in it, they, they still have the, the coping mechanisms that they have to deal with just because of the stressors of the job, I'm sure. And I'm not... You know, I'm, right. I'm, not, I'm not criticizing or, or you know, or, or judging in any way, shape, or form. I mean, fuck, if I was on the front lines and saw any sort of, I mean, I'm too, I'm much, I'm too much of a coward. I mean, like I, I can't even imagine what what that's like and what you would have to do to cope. To, to, I, I can't even begin to imagine. And, and I mean, at, what, at some point though, and obviously we'll we'll, we'll get to the to the pick me up here in the story soon enough. But I want to <laughs> just kind of set the stage. So that people understand, you know, really where where you were coming from. At some point, it got so bad that you actually attempted to commit suicide, right? Yes, uh, I had a job that, believe it or not, I can now. Since it's ten years later, I have a jo- I had a job that I can now talk about because um, I was not allowed to talk about anything that I that I um, that I did. In any capacity, you know, for 10 years, uh, I was worldwide deployable. And what was what, what I did was we would go and bring home shot down aircraft and aircraft that had battle damage. And we would deploy over to, you know, Middle Eastern countries. We deployed to different hotspots where uh, we'd have to go in any way possible to go and retrieve aircraft or those who were inside mm-hmm. so in 2000 in 2008 i was gone 228 days not consecutively but i was gone 228 days i was literally i was gone for a month in the middle east got home for three days gone for another month then i'd walk i literally walked off of one plane and got onto another plane like with orders in hand, like walked off a plane, got into the plane and I was gone for another month. Like, and it was like this a lot in this job. Um, I worked combat logistic support. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see things, yeah. you do things, you meet people, you, you hear stories. You, I mean, it's the whole thing. 
And, and everybody understands that, you know, I lay my life on the line. Like, we get that, we get that until that moment comes. Right? So it's fun to dream about that million-dollar lottery ticket and fun to dream about what would happen if you had it until you had it. Then it's like, oh, shit. Well, that's kind of like how this is in the military. Like, oh, we're so gung-ho and we're so amazing until that moment happens. And it just, I found my breaking point. You know, I lost some friends. I was dealing with a lot of a lot of um, anger issues. Um, I was drinking sporadically in between all of the you know deployments and everything that I was on. Again, had a lot of anger issues, and when I drank, the childhood stuff come up. I'm now a, I'm now married and a step parent, screaming at my three year old, and then regretting it, and then drinking even more because I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to turn into him. And I saw the tendencies happening in myself. And I said, I cannot be him. I cannot be him. And my wife had like, you know, you have way too many issues. You, like, I'm just going to go. And so we separated. We were going to divorce. And I said, I'm just like him. And that was the motivating factor for me wanting to take my life. So Christmas Eve 2008, I pulled out my 9 millimeter and I put it in my mouth and went to go, went, went to go do it. So what stopped you? Well... There's a lot that that happens in 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 the mind during that moment, you know. And like like, am I a cow? Can I even do this? You know. Then you start willing yourself to do it. So then I started drinking more, and I was like, I had a bottle of Jack Daniels in my left hand, I had the the nine millimeter in my other hand, and I was like, I can do this. I can do this. You know. And then I, and then you, then you say, well, I, I suck so bad, I can't even I can't even kill myself. Like. Mm -hmm. Like I like I can't even do this right, and then you get into a bigger depression, and then you go down the bigger hole. Luckily, people were calling me. Hey, man, haven't heard from you in three days. What's going on? You're supposed to report it. Haven't heard from you in a couple of days. What's going on? I got family calling. Like I got people coming at the house. I got my supervisor banging on the door. Like yeah, I'm gonna break in. Like what's going on? on? Time out. So they're but they're not calling you in that moment. So what? Yeah, in the moment. What in the moment? What pulled the gun out of your mouth? My dad called me, who oh, really? I did not have a relationship with. Your 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 actual your my bio father, dad. Your my bio dad called me. He's in the military. He's got another family. He's got a son that he's you know so proud of. And my mom would say, "You need to call your kids." And he's like, "Well, I got another family to worry about." That's what I heard all my life. I've got another family to worry about. So he called me out of the blue. Hmm. Like, okay, well. I'm going to, uh, do I answer the phone? Like hangs up. Does it? I don't answer the phone. I go back to, I'm just going to do it and I'm useless and I'm, and I'm, I suck. And I'm, he calls me back. I'm like, okay. I put the gun down. I pick up the phone. I said, dad, he's like, Hey man, uh, I was just thinking about you. Haven't heard from you in about a year. Just want to make sure, you know, everything's okay. And um, you know, I know you got that crazy job and everything and, uh, been talking to your, your sister. I talked to her. Um, just want to, just want to see how you're doing. And, um, I just broke down. I said, dad, I have a gun in my mouth. Mm. And he's like, call me back. Call me right back in like five minutes and hangs up on me. What? Like what? Hangs up on me. Now, when I called him back, he says, Thank you so much for calling me back. Here's what I want you to know. I've been where you've been. 
my dad was 26 years in the military before he retired. He was a first sergeant. So he's the guy they would call to stop somebody from committing suicide. In the military, they have first sergeants that deal with spousal abuse, domestic assault. They have people who deal with, they're the guys who go pick you up from jail when you have a DUI. They're the guys they call when you are trying to commit suicide. So he's like, listen, remember when me and your mom split up? He's like, I wanted to, I, I wanted to, to kill myself, but I did it because of you kids. And I got into this whole rage about whatever you have another family and, you know, all these daddy issues come up. And, uh, and he says, man, I'm telling you, it's not worth it because here's the thing, you know, it, it's been very difficult for these reasons, you know, with my life. And, and he just told me what he felt inside, you know, and I said, like, well, how do I know that? Because you never did this and you never called me and you never, he's like, I called you on your birthdays. I called you on Christmas, but here and laid out this whole childhood. I was like, I never knew any of that. So here I am thinking my dad is this, this horrible person, but he's actually dying inside. He breaks down on the phone. I'm breaking down on the phone. It was like this moment that we finally kind of understood all the things that I've ever been told in my life were kind of alive. But at the same time, he knows he could have done more. So it was this moment that brought me out, me and my dad connecting on something that that empathy was really what it was. Hey, Sean, I got to ask, why did he want you to call back? What was, I mean, why not just stay on the phone? What, what did he do in that five minutes? I have OCD. So if you hang up on me right now, I have to call you back. It, it, it's like a, it's a, it, it's an unfinished conversation. I can't have any unfinished conversations, mm. but he knew this about me. He's like, call me back and hangs up. I'm like, what, why would you, you <laughs> and he, he knew, he knew how I was. And he's like, he's going to call me. I know he's going to call me back. Oh, so since he dealt with it, that was his way of getting you to change your focus instead of Correct. thinking of the gun. You Correct. Think about calling him back. Okay. Gotcha. Correct. Mm. Yeah, Pretty change your focus, change your mindset. Yeah. And my dad, my dad is a wonderful person. But he still battles with things. Believe it or not, he mm -hmm. still battles with things. 60-something years old. And him and I, we have a relationship. I mean, it's always going to be – it sucks. It's always going to be strained. But in the moment, him and I are in the same room. It's like we've never stopped talking. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we can – there's so much there that we could that we could talk about. Let me just ask you this: Are you do you feel like you still struggle with depression to this day? No, no, no. Yeah, you know, I um. So so it's interesting. I um. I, I struggled with depression for a number of years, and and never put the nine millimeter in my mouth, but thought about not turning the wheel of the car and you know that sort of yeah. thing, and just kind of seeing what would happen. Yep. But I've become really clear that to and, – and don't get me wrong and don't send the hate mail here, folks. But, you know, if – I mean, if you've, got, <laughs> if, you've got a, if you've been clinically diagnosed as having something that requires medication, I mean, that's, that's a whole other discussion. But for yes. the rest of us who have not been clinically diagnosed but may have things from our past that aren't great, don't sit well and – spend all this time in, in therapy and whatnot trying to talk through it. Like, I've become really clear that you just need really to think about four things if you're facing any sort of depression. This becomes sort of a PSA now, now that you're out of it, but you faced it. And I'm, I'm just curious what your take is, on, uh, Sean, because you've, you've obviously struggled with this. But 
you know, I don't, I'm not a big believer in therapy. I don't believe that you need to, to work on your past in order to move forward. It right. works for some, but I do believe that everybody's got some kind of mommy issue. Some, everybody's got some kind of daddy issue. Everybody's got something that didn't go well at some point in their life. And whether or not we choose to relive that on a consistent basis is a choice. And that's often what therapy does is it takes us backwards instead of forwards. And what I've become pretty clear on is that if you want to solve depression issues – there's, there's four core elements, if you will, of sort of the, de- the depression diagram, if you will. One is, and, and if you check more than two boxes here, you're, you're probably struggling in one way or another with depression. So just as I run through these, Sean, kind of think about how many of these boxes did you check in that moment? Because for me, I became really clear that I was checking most of these boxes and if you can uncheck these boxes, it would have a dramatic difference on your life and how you feel and would really impact whether or not you are still in that land of depression. So one of the boxes that you would either check or uncheck is whether or not you're really self-absorbed, right? Where you're just – you're not doing anything for anyone else. You're really just focused on yourself and everything that's going on in your world for right, for wrong, for other. But you're, you're very self-absorbed. Number two is – lack of purpose like you really don't know why you're here what it is that you were put on this earth to do and you're certainly not pursuing that on a consistent basis maybe you just don't know what it is or whatever the circumstances might be number three lack of fitness just you don't sweat on a consistent basis you're not challenging yourself on a consistent basis you don't get those serotonins oxytocins all those fun things that go hand in hand with pushing yourself on a physical basis And then number four is environment, where either you live in a where either you live in a place that you don't love, whether it's a weather related thing or it's a friends and family thing. You're surrounded by people who don't support you, uh, people who don't uplift you, et cetera. And so those are the four core components of depression that I've identified self-absorption, lack of purpose, lack of fitness, improper environment. So. I'm just, and I'm sure there are others, but those are the four main yeah. things. And I think if you check more than two of those boxes, you're probably going to go down the rabbit hole of depression. It could be immediate. It could be over time, et cetera. But I'm just curious, number one, how does that resonate with you? And number two, looking back, how many of those boxes do you think you were checking in that moment? All of them. Yeah. 100%, without a doubt. Let me explain something to you about the military. Hmm. We eat our own. If you suck... We let you know. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not – the military has not – it will never be a loving environment. We're not – we don't care about your feelings. We don't care what you think. It's like if you're the lowest dude on the pole, you get the crap jobs. You suck it up because everybody has to do it. And then if you're the high-ranking guy, like I'm giving you orders that you better do these things or I will crush you and I will make your life hell. So go freaking do them because we signed up to kill people. Goodbye. Like yeah. that's it. That's how the military is, yeah. right? Yep. Now within the ranks, you know, me equal rank to somebody. I'm like, oh, dude, how's the wife? Oh, yeah, it's really great. But, but we're not coming into the office with a coffee cup and a briefcase, going, "Hi, guys, how was your weekend?" Yeah. Because so, we probably worked the weekend. So for you, environment then would be that checked box in that moment. Is that what you're saying? Oh, 100%. The 100%. military is getting a lot better. It, it is. Within office, you know, like, 
you know, they're introducing a lot of like Simon Sinek leadership tactics and John mm -hmm. Maxwell. And like, there's a lot of professional development going on mm -hmm. that they're like, dude, you have to care about your people. Because if you ask any military member who has served in the past, they'll tell you, we're just a number on a piece of paper. We're expendable. Mm -hmm. We 100% are expendable. So why should we give our best effort? Why? Unless our life's on the line, like, why should we? But everybody I've ever talked to was like, I do what I got to do, and that's it. I'm done. Mm -hmm. So the military's really started changing in the past 10 years that I've noticed there's a really big focus on not drinking and, and getting rid of the drugs, as in like, oh, you got a boo-boo? Here's some Vicodin. Oh, you hurt? Here's some Oxycontin. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which is all what they always did. And so there's a lot of effort being placed on mental health, on resilience. Just since 2014, we have a, a very, very robust resilience program that is changing the lives of everybody involved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the other and we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I'm just curious in that moment as you reflect now on on that period of time in terms of being self-absorbed, having a lack of purpose or 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 not. Uh, being involved with something, you know, as far as fitness goes on a consistent basis. What, where were you at with those three? Oh, I was, I had zero purpose. You know, I, I had actually lost myself. I'm like, well, I joined the military because 9-11 happened and everybody's really patriotic. And then, you know, six, seven, eight years in, you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Like, this sucks. Yeah. You know, like, like what purpose do I have? You get treated like crap at work. You know, nobody gives a crap about you. You got a wife and a family. They're like, well, if the, if we wanted to have one, then you would have been issued you one. Like, oh, you're a great, great uh, leader there. Mm -hmm. You know, thank you for mm -hmm. taking care of my family, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, lack of purpose, lack of lack of value in yourself is what it comes down to. Yeah. And the environment is just like, I mean, you, we eat our own, you know, yeah. and it's really starting to become not that way, which is great. Yeah. So um, go ahead, Mary. I think. Yeah. Well, in your bio, I mean, there was turmoil with your wife yes. and the kids. And then yes. you even said your house burned down. Yeah. In 2007, uh, St. Patrick's Day, 2007, I threw a very, very large party and um, there was a fight. Some people came and torched my house with me and. And everybody in it. Jeez. And um, that was the point where the military was like, dude, you're done. Like this, like this is way, like people are trying to kill you. Like you're done. And I hung out with people that were less than me. Like if I was an alcoholic, they were like way below, like they were way alcoholic. Right. So I always hung out with people that were like less than me. So I always felt more important. And so I just hung out with a really, really bad like gang crowd. And it was just, it was bad. So um, at that moment they pulled me out of there and they were like, Nope, you're done. You're 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 gonna get kicked out. You're you're drinking and partying and the people and like just your whole life and like you're just done. You are done. And um and that started the process of me getting help and trying to figure out where we go from here. Where where was that in the syntax of the gun in your mouth? Uh, St. Patrick's Day, two thousand seven, and then December twenty fourth of two thousand eight. Uh, but I mean, I started making progress in 2007. They're like, oh, maybe, maybe you're worth saving. Like maybe, maybe we won't kick you out. We'll see how it goes. I was on like severe probation, mm. you know? So, so I started working myself back and I'm like, oh, this is great. And you know, they got me on a fitness regimen. I was like, that's awesome. Cause people in the military, like 
like some jobs go do your own PT, like go do your own stuff. And then some jobs are like, no, we will do it for you. We, like we schedule it. My particular job, they were like, look, just get it in where you can get it in. We're so fast paced. Just get it in where you get it in. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, sure. I'm doing it. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, by the end of 2007, I was like, boss, I'm good. I'm loving life, you know? And, but then all the deployments happened and all the drinking came back. Cause I didn't drink for like, like four months. And then within, you know, that time of going into, 2008, um, January, February, especially March again, that, that one year of that hit, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. And I started living in the past again and then full-blown drinking again. And then me and the wife were having at it. And she's like, "I'm screw this, dude, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting is as I'm listening to you talk about all these different scenarios, Sean, you're, you're saying in the beginning when it was tough, you checked all the boxes, but yet you still had the same environment. You still were in the military, right, right, in your home and in military. You're, and you're still there. And congratulations, by the way, through making it through all that. But it, it's like, even with those four checkbox, it still comes down. It's, it seems so cliche, but to focus in mindset, like you just changed your mind one day. That what you were going to focus on and you were going to, what, for lack of a better phrase that's coming to mind, you were going to gamify this. You were going to make this work even though you're still in the same family and still in the same environment in the military and still pretty much doing the same things. And it's not like the military doesn't have fitness going on, right? So right. it was just, right. you know what I mean? It was just interesting as I'm hearing you. It's like there still comes a time when the person has to just make the choice. And that focus that your dad got you to focus on something in that one moment, you know, it'll sound a little hippie, but we have, everyone has always talked about like, oh, should you focus on the, you should focus on the now, you know, not the future. Da, da, da. But it's just like, is, isn't it always the now? It's just whether you're wasting it, worrying about regrets of the past or anxiety of the future, but it's always the now. Yeah. I never wanted to be kicked out of the military. I mean, it got to a point where I was so far deep in my head, you know, that that people needed to like, I mean, really like, like snap me out of it. Like, dude, do you even realize what is happening right now? Like, I see where your life is going. I'm like, you don't even know nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So, yeah, in that moment. But we also in the military are conditioned in our mind and body to shut up in color. Whatever you're dealing with, just shut up in color. Boss, I don't want to work the weekend. Shut up in color. You're working the weekend. Mm-hmm. Just shut up in color. So in the military, you just deal. There are people walking around. I'm happy, but they're dying inside because we're just made to shut up in color. Mm-hmm. Just shut up in color. So that was then. So now, how, do you, how do you know you're not shutting up in color right now? Because I'm well-educated. Mm-hmm. Because I'm more self-aware. We weren't taught that. We were taught pain, hide, bad, go away, do your job, shut up and do your job. That's all. Shut up and do your job. We work 12 to 14 hours a day. Shut up and do your job. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the divorce rate was astronomical in 2008, 2009, 2010, astronomical. Everybody was getting divorced. But then the military said something is wrong. We need to fix it. And they literally did a comprehensive check of all of the branches. And there was a very, very big culture of drinking, partying, like that type of thing, instead of a, you know, let's concentrate on the families back home 
and, um, and the things that we're supposed to concentrate on as in mental health. That's really good news. Yeah. Mm. We don't hear about that. So, Sean, yeah. let's and really do appreciate you, you know, sharing as much as you've you shared here with us, man. Because you know, when we're talking about reinventing resilience, um, as I said, you know, you talk about the poster child for for resilience here, man. I mean, that's that's certainly you, and that's why I wanted people to get a a really good understanding of how dark it got and the the challenges and trials and tribulations that you had to contend with over the years. Um, but I will say, man, that you know, you've you've obviously come a long way since then. Yeah. You have been uh, an icon of influence at uh, the New Media Summit, which is the event that we do where we give 150 attendees the opportunity to meet and pitch 40 top podcasters on who they are and what they do and, and literally get booked on the spot. Uh, you joined us uh, early on, I think at the very first one that we did, and you joined us at the yep. last one that we did, and you'll be there again, I believe, in uh, in Tampa. Yep. yep. So, uh, and and so, what's interesting though is before the uh, last event, I believe uh, there was a this was during hurricane season, right? So there was a a huge hurricane that was going to yep. batter the East Coast. And you're based – so right now you're talking to us from South Carolina or where are you at right now? North Carolina. North Carolina. No, you were in the Carolinas. So North Carolina, before the last summit, take us through what you had to do and what they – I mean, basically they tasked you with – and this was unbelievable what, what you led the charge on. But this is just to give folks a scope, a little bit of understanding of the scope of what you're doing nowadays what what did you have to do just shortly before you showed up to to share your brilliance at the last new media summit <laughs> we heard of fact 96 aircraft out of uh seymour johnson air force base we heard of fact 96 aircraft and shipped uh over three tons of cargo and um and everybody was like look if you're gonna go go mm-hmm. you know like like you don't have to but we're, we're gonna shut this place down so we had to hurry all the jets. We had to get out of, we had to get out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I made it in time for the new media summit, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah, great. Funny. Yeah. But I mean, I think you're, you're, it's not, the, you're downplaying the scope <laughs> of what, well, well, of what you had to do there. But I mean, you, you literally more were humble t- nowadays, right? But you were literally tasked with evacuating that entire base, right? The, the flight line. Like yeah. flight line equipment personnel, you know, it's it's a team effort. You know, I my job right now in the military is end of runway. So what happens is, you know, the guys down on the flight line are launching and recovering like all of the aircraft. But we at the end of the runway, we, we have to usher all the aircraft out. So we make sure all the parts and pieces are there, make sure all the travel pods are all hooked up, ready to go, make sure all the equipment's there. Make sure that we're leaving with all the parts and pieces that we're supposed to leave with. So it's really a team effort when you have that young 18, 19, 20 year old, you know, putting pilots in the seat, starting the jet, and then it comes to us and and, and we get it out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so so I've got a team of me and three other guys of equal rank, uh, E6, and then we have about eight other eight to sixteen other personnel that can come down and work with us. Um, to make sure that all of these jets are getting out in an orderly fashion. And, and it's a lot of work and it's long hours. 
mm-hmm. but it's worth it, you know, to save $32 million aircraft yeah. and the people involved, you know, and uh, it's, I think it's, I think it's super cool that I even get to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing all like, like the show of force, like look at all our aircraft coming down at the same time and just rolling through, like, look at us go. You know what I mean? That's what gives me purpose. And that's what gets me fired up, mm-hmm. you know, is the sense of accomplishment that I never had before. Yeah. And did the did the base end up taking a direct hit from that hurricane? We were so close from taking a direct hit. We're two hours away from the coast in Wilmington. Wilmington took the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. Fayetteville, where um, Fayetteville is where the largest army base is in Fort Bragg. They took a hit. But we we were lucky. I mean, we had a, we had damage. But not as bad as like Tyndall, who took a very direct hit from their hurricane. They got all their jets out except for like six. Mm. And that, those jets got damaged and they're still damaged to this day. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, luckily, you know, where we are located, uh, um, the other places kind of, you know, took yeah. the brunt of it. We kind of didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, as you sit here today and you reflect on on the journey that you've you've taken what what does resilience actually then mean to you uh today i mean it's, it's obviously mm-hmm. must mean something very different than it would have 10 years ago but what does it mean to you today so so the definition of resilience is your ability to withstand recover and grow through adversity stress and life's changing demands what that means to me and when you build your resilience muscle to me personally, it means that whatever comes my way, I know I can handle it. It's 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 really a mindset, like seventy five percent mindset, and the rest is just the skill deployed. If you don't think that you're good enough to handle it, then you're then you're not going to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. You have a fight or flight response inside of your body. I was always the flight guy. I was always like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want it because that big guy who used to beat on me would come back in my face that was the adversity mm-hmm. and men are not supposed to cry and men are not supposed to show weakness and men are supposed to do everything and the women are not we are supposed to be the men to take care of it all and 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 hold you know the brunt of all of life's you know unbecomings you know whatever yeah. what i learned is that i don't actually have to do that I can share, you know, the adversity with people, you know, to help me. And, and you know, man, you don't ask for help, mm-hmm. you know. And so I just had very shitty programming, very shitty programming. But the resilience in me now says that bring it on, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, bring it on because I'm going to crush you, you know. And so and so my brother-in-law, who was a Marine, and has dealt with some things as a Marine, and we'd share some stories, and it was nice that, that he knows what I'm feeling, you know, mm-hmm. he would tell me, he's like, you have one job in this life, one job. And that job in this life is when your feet hit the floor, the devil goes, oh, shit, he's awake. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. So what so what do you I mean, again, having now been fairly far removed from some of those darkest days, what what do you tell someone who comes to you and is dealing with adversity you know something like like what's that mantra that you go through like when when shit hits the fan for you and and things are potentially going to get rough like what what's that mantra what's that process what would you tell someone who's dealing with those same sort of challenges that back in the day would have put you into the spiral but 
today you obviously do not react the same way. So what, what does that sound like to you? What would you tell someone? Everybody always says, oh, you got this, man. You got this. In the moment, you don't got this. So what I tell people is, dude, I've been there. Man, I know what you're going through. And maybe I don't. And you don't think that I don't. Man, I do. I've been at my darkest moment. I hit rock bottom. And you may not feel like you're at rock bottom. Or maybe you do feel like you're at rock bottom. But I'm here for you. Because I know what it's like to do it alone. And I don't want you to do it alone. That's exactly what I tell them. I let them know that I'm here for them. Empathy is the currency. Sympathy just doesn't cut it anymore. Sorry for your loss. I'll never say that. Not ever again. I never say that. What I say at a funeral is... I can't imagine what you're going through. I've lost loved ones. I know it hurts. I'm here for you. Reach out if you need anything. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. That's all I ever tell anybody. When they're going through hard times, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know that. I'm here for you. Yeah, man. So Life Transformation Radio, I know that's the show you've been doing now for, <laughs> for quite some time. Uh, and I know you share a lot of really interesting stories on that show of people who have yeah. faced all sorts of adversity and have transformed their lives Give us an understanding of what the uh, what the show is about, and then what's what's next for Sean Douglas. Life Transformation Radio is the stories that we tell that nobody else knows. I just had Jay Gabrani on the show, and it's already one of my, my top rated shows. And he just was on two days ago. Mm-hmm. The stories that people share is the show. Because all we do is look at the surface and we're like, man, he's so like Steve Ulsher is absolutely crushing it. Like, how the hell can I be more like Steve? Like, my life sucks compared to Steve. What the hell is he doing? Yeah, that's what most well, when I have say. Steve on the <laughs> well, when I ha- and I have Steve on the show and he goes, oh, man, man, it was that one night, that one night in that in that apartment building, man, that one night, you know, that's what people want to know. That's what resonates because right now they are having their dark night of the soul. And they're like, nobody feels what I feel. Somebody like Steve comes on the show and goes, let me tell you what I went through. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the show, people go, oh, my God, Steve gets me. He gets me. Right? That's what I want to bring to the show. And that's what I do. So um, that, is my, that is my life's work right here. Life Transformation Radio is my life's work. It was put on my heart that I need to tell the stories. I need to get my story out. I need other people to tell their story. It's nice that you coach people and it's nice that you speak and it's nice that you do this, that, or the other. You've built this, that, and whatever. I want to know the stories, man. I want to know the dark and dirty and nasty now. And you know what I'm saying? Like the like the nasty now and now. Like what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know? So that's what we do. Yeah, man. So if people want more information about you, want to connect with you, obviously they can come meet you at uh, the New Media Summit. And of Absolutely. course, uh, you guys can get more information on the New Media Summit and come meet 40 top podcasters and pitch us on who you are and what you do and get booked on the spot. You can get more information there at newmediasummit.net. If you want more information on Sean, Sean, where's the best place for folks to go directly? So I only do Facebook and LinkedIn, so I'm always up on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to know... My show is on Blog Talk Radio, so just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash life transformation radio, and you can hear all of the episodes. I'm on every podcatcher out there, mm-hmm. so 
whatever wherever you're listening to podcasts, subscribe to Reinvention Radio and subscribe to Beyond Eight Figures, which is a badass show. I love that show. Thank you, sir. And um, like I'm not even I I have a love law I I I I have an affair with your show. <laughs> and wow. uh, I don't know what it is. Like I'm listening to this, I'm taking notes, my pencil's on fire. Yeah. Right. Let let me let me just for five seconds plug this. Sure. If you are feeling like there's got to be a secret, there's a secret to six. Guess what? There's not because guess what? The other eight billion dollars worth of people have done the same things that we do. There's no secret. That's the thing. Like we're so overcomplicate these things. It's not. Listen to the show. You'll find out why. Yeah. But um, but you know, my whole website is uh core c o r p s thesuccesscore dot com. Love to have a conversation with you. Let me know that you heard uh, heard uh, me on Reinvention Radio, and um, yeah, give Steve a hug. <laughs> All right, brother. Give, yeah, man. Give you guys a hug. Yeah, can't well, wait to see you in Tampa. Yep, can't wait to see oh, you at the New Media Summit. Gonna have a rocking good time there. Sean will let you go, my friend, and uh, we will talk to you really, really soon in Tampa at the New Media Summit. So do check out Sean Douglas, the success success core. Say that twelve times fast. Success core c o r p s dot com. And uh, so there you have it, my friends. Right, reinventing resilience. And um, I don't know. It's it's just so interesting, especially when we start digging into some of the stories around the military and. And whatnot in San Diego here being such a big military town as, of course, the chopper now flies right overhead as I say that. Yeah, cue the jets. Right, cue the jets. It's, uh, it's interesting to kind of go behind the curtain a little bit, right, and, uh, and get a sense of what some of these military guys are going through. Richie, I know you've known a lot of military folks over the years being from San Diego. What, what, what's your take on, uh, on, on what Sean has to say here? Yeah, well, I was almost disowned for not going to Annapolis, too. Like, my family, like, that, they were all military, Navy. Yeah. And uh yeah, I mean it's it was that was awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I'm I'm still blown away cuz it kind of think about the you, you win or you learn mm-hmm. or it adds to the story in this case. Yeah. Right? And you can always reinvent that story. Yeah, for sure. And you know, realistically when you when you meet Sean and this is just the the interesting thing about life is when you meet someone today, you you really have zero sense of what it is that they've gone through, what has made them into the person that they are today. And Sean, I mean, is just an incredibly giving, loving person. Yeah, you great know, guy. he yeah. is. He's he's yeah. a huge standout from the New Media Summit. He is one of he's our just, favorite, uh, yeah. one of our favorite uh, quote unquote icons of influence that we have there, and uh, just you know. Man, super glad that he decided to stay in the game, and uh, and we're fortunate to have him. And, of course, we're fortunate to have you as our listeners here of Reinvention Radio. We love you. Oh, man, just keep the head above water. Fight the good fight, and we will talk to you guys really soon. From Mary Goulet and Richie Otewewe and Kelly, I'm Steve Olsher. Talk to you next time on Reinvention Radio. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com. 
Attention coaches, authors, speakers, and business owners. Please pay close attention to what I'm about to say if you want to secure massive visibility fast and generate thousands of highly qualified leads without spending a dime on advertising or marketing. The easiest way to make this happen is to appear as a guest on the world's most popular podcast. We recently came across an awesome resource that provides detailed contact information for 240 new media influencers who are looking for guests just like you. It's called the Ultimate Directory, and for a limited time, you can get the preview edition of the directory absolutely free. That's right, for free. It's time for you to get the visibility you and your business deserve and connect with the world's leading icons of influence who can make you famous with the push of a button. Get your free preview edition of the Ultimate Directory right now at www.myultimatedirectory.com. That's myultimatedirectory.com.